0: You're listening to a podcast from Vineyard Church of Augusta. For more information, visit vineyardaugusta.org. So as Roger mentioned earlier, uh, we launched a new message series last week called Urgent Love Letters. And uh, over the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at Revelation 2 and 3. This, uh, these chapters uh, contain seven unique letters. They have a lot of similarities to them, but they are each one is very unique uh, in expressing uh, Jesus' heart uh, to seven specific uh, churches, uh, first century churches uh, throughout Asia Minor. And uh, each each one has some commonalities, but uh, they're also unique in and of themselves. and And what the thing that I love about these these messages, these letters, is that while these are ancient texts that we are are looking to, they are very much alive, and they are very much filled with, instruction for us as a church today, as Vineyard Church of Augusta, but not just collectively as a church. I believe they also have a lot of instruction for us as individuals, uh, as families, and I want us to to read these and hear these and see these through this lens. And and as we celebrate our birthday today, our 34th birthday, Vineyard Church of Augusta, you guys are getting older, yeah. Uh, Birthdays are always a good time to reflect on the past year. Uh, Maybe things that you accomplished, maybe things you didn't accomplish, Uh, maybe to reflect on how much weight you've gained, or um, maybe how much weight you've lost, or for some of us, how much hair we've lost, or yeah, you know, uh, it's all kinds of things that we can reflect on in this period, but it's also a good time to reflect on the year ahead. Don't just look back, Uh, look ahead. Uh, what What are the goals for this year before us? And uh, maybe some of those goals had to do with with losing weight or or gaining hair, you know, and the big decision to to plug or to rug, you know? I worked on that for a long time, so. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Anyway. As we celebrate our birthday today, we're going to look at the very first letter in this series, and it's a letter that, that Jesus gave to, to the Apostle John uh, to the church at Ephesus. Now, all the letters... Uh, have important and timely things to say to to Vineyard Church of Augusta and and to each of us. But I I believe that none have anything more important than than what we're going to read today uh, to Jesus' letter to the church uh, in Ephesus. Here's a little bit of background on the city of Ephesus. Uh, It was one of the most important of the seven cities that we're going to read about over the next few weeks. It had the largest population, uh, about a quarter of a million people, which was very significant, particularly at that time. And it was very much a center. Of business, of commerce, of education, of religion, and it was namely the center of the Roman Empire's power in that particular region. And so keep that in mind as we, as we look at the, some of the big themes, and very much the big takeaway uh, for the letter uh, that, that Jesus sent through the Apostle John to the church at Ephesus, and I believe an invitation that God's giving to us as well is to to make sure that as we look ahead and as we reflect on our past, the Vineyard Church of Augusta, that we don't stop loving and that we don't fail to love with all the intensity, all the passion, all the commitment, all the further uh, that we have loved with in the past, that that would not be a past memory, but that would be a present reality for all of us uh, in our lives, both corporately as a church body, as a church family, And individually as as households and families today. So, Holy Spirit, I I ask that you would do that. Uh, You, God, are love. You are love. And we desire to be people of your kingdom. Of your kingdom love, your kingdom power, your kingdom kindness. Lord, all the expressions of your kingdom, we seek and desire to be that. So come, Holy Spirit, and and do that good work in Vineyard Church of Augusta, but do it in each one of us as well, in our own uh, individual lives and our individual families. We open our hearts to you. We open our ears, our minds, all that we are to you. And we love you, Lord. And we know that we can only say that and only do that because you first loved us. So come and And be honored in this place. Be honored in this year ahead through Vineyard Church. Be at the center as we sang this morning. Be at the center of who we are and all that we do, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are reading Jesus' letter to the church at Ephesus. It's in Revelation 2. Just a reminder, maybe for you who uh, for everybody who was here last week and if you weren't here last week, one of the big things we talked about last week is sort of a, the posture that we should receive these letters in and I remind you, as John uh, wrote in Revelation 1, that this letter is from Jesus from him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom uh, and priest to serve his God and Father this is who is writing this letter to us. Someone who loves us Someone who is for us. So uh, as, as, as we read this, uh, and we read each letter each week over the coming weeks, you're going to see some similarities, as I mentioned. There's going to be a commission uh, to the specific church. There's going to be some aspect of Jesus' character that's going to be expressed. Uh, there's going to be uh, a commendation, a, a way to go, guys. This is what you've done well, with the exception of, of, of Sardis and Laodicea. Uh, There's going to be some censure, some criticism, again, from someone who loves us, but it's there with the exceptions of Smyrna and Philadelphia. There's going to be correction. There's going to be a challenge pretty much for all of the letters to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. And then there is going to be a a covenant promise that Jesus is going to give uh, us as we say yes to the invitations that he is extending through these letters. So today, the the to the angel of the church in Ephesus, right? This is our first one today. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand. And if you remember from last week, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. John dis- discloses that. And, and Jesus and, and walks among the seven golden lampstands. And at the end of chapter 1, uh, we see that the seven golden lampstands are the seven churches that Jesus is speaking to through these letters. And, and this is how it continues. Jesus says, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance— I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Good commendation. Way to go, Ephesus. Yet, I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So Jesus begins reminding the church at Ephesus, and we need to be reminded today, that Jesus is with us, and he protects us, and he guides us. Now, I come to you today as someone who's been part of this church family for over 31 years. I know, it's like, you started coming here and you were five? Yeah, yeah, so. But I can say that, yeah, I hear a little too much laughter over there, so um, a little too much. I, I can say very much as someone who's had a big picture perspective that I have seen the fact that Jesus is with us, I have seen him protecting us. I have seen him guiding us over the course of this, uh, the many years that I've been here. And even before uh, I was here when this, fir- this church first started 34 years ago, I've seen God's hand, but I got to tell you, uh, I have not seen it. Um, his guidance has been so real and so fresh, his, protect- his protection, his presence with us like I've experienced and I've seen over the last year and a half. It's been a a crazy time as a church. It's been a difficult time as a church. It's been a weird time as a church. But I have seen God just show up and do some amazing things while the rest of our world is, and we are dealing with COVID and all the other implications of of, of all the the effects of that, the shutdowns, the, the division in terms of the politics that went on in the midst of this and how all of the side issues have become points of division in our world and our country. And I have said, God, help us, lead us, guide us. And I am so thankful that he has. There have been decisions that we've had to make as a church where God, I need to, we need to hear you real time. We need to hear what you're wanting to do. And God has come and he has shown up. He has walked among us, as we see here, him doing among the, the seven lampstands. He it says I am with you church because I love you I am for you I'm the one building you I'm building you I build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it and I have seen the reality of Emmanuel God with us in so many amazing ways and it's not just been our church I'm so thankful that I've I've heard your stories You have had important decisions to make as individuals, as families, about uh, job moves, uh, business decisions, all kinds of things. And God has shown up and he has led you and he has guided you and he's still leading you and he is still guiding you. And he is faithful, God. And more than anything else, more than anything else, The thing that we can and should cherish and never lose sight of as a church is our hunger and our desire for the manifest presence of God to come and meet with us. Because I don't care if we get everything else right and we don't have the presence of God, we have missed the mark terribly. And so it's important for us to realize and to hunger and thirst and to just acknowledge, God, you you have been with us. Holy Spirit, you have been with us, leading us and guiding us through weird and difficult times, but you are Emmanuel, and we thank you for your manifest presence. And just as Jesus promised this and said, "I'm, I'm walking alongside of you, church at Ephesus, I believe and I know that he's been with us here at Vineyard Church of Augusta as well. And as we consider Jesus' letter to the church at Ephesus and how it applies to us, I believe that Jesus also, he sees our hard work and he sees our perseverance, and he's pleased when we honor his word. Uh, You guys are are just a tremendous group of servant relational leaders. You guys serve faithfully, you serve well, and I'm so thankful for that. This church is known in this community and across this region uh, for, for doing just that, for serving. We really get the fact That ministry is just a fancy word for serving. And Jesus himself said, hey, I'm going to show you this model. The Son of Man did not come to earth uh, to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And and you guys have been doing that. And you've been doing it even during uh, all of the hampering and, and shutdowns and the limitations of COVID. Uh, our food pantry, I just got to give a shout out for our wonderful food pantry, our storehouse food pantry, uh, you know, didn't miss a beat. And, and the reality was we didn't know what was going to happen in March of, of 2020. We didn't know if a lot of people were going to be losing their jobs and, and what would be happening. And we knew that this was a vital, important ministry in our church even before COVID. But we knew that we needed to keep our volunteers safe. And we knew that we wanted to keep the people that we serve safe. And so we made some adjustments, and Storehouse hasn't missed a beat. Uh, talk about you know perseverance and 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 just hard work. And this is not the only area. All the areas of our church, uh, people stepping in to serve in all kinds of ways inside our church and outside our church. You have served well, and you have loved well. I was talking with someone this week about our church. They're pretty new to our church, and unfortunately because of a a job a job opportunity they uh, are going to be leaving our church soon but i they she talked to me and she said hey i just want to let you know that when we came to your church the thing that kept us coming back for both for their entire family was just the the way we experienced god's love through this church and i got to tell you that was the best birthday card i could have got as a as a pastor of this church you guys know how to love well and uh, I, I experienced that, but I love it when people who are new here uh, experience that. Uh, and let's keep doing that. Let's keep loving well inside these four walls and outside these four walls. It's vitally important uh, that, that we do that, uh, that, we, that we give that kind of love. So the letter starts with this commendation. Now here comes the tough love part the tough love part, the censure, the criticism from the one who loves us and the one who died to free us so we can hear this tough love knowing that it truly comes from one who has loved us in the most incredible way. And this is it. Out of Jesus' love for us, he shows us our hearts and he invites us back to first love. This is what he does this is what he did to the church at Ephesus, and this is what he I, I believe that he's calling us to, and he always calls us to first love. Seek first the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God, the same John who received this revelation is the one who reminds us that God is Love. And so this kingdom that we uh, desire to be people of, it is founded, it is rooted in the love of God, the agape love, uh, the giving love, the unconditional love, uh, the, the, the love that is not self-serving but that is others serving. It is that first love that we are called to. God's word talks a lot about our hearts loving God with all of our hearts, loving our neighbors as ourselves, guarding our hearts because it's the wellspring of life. Everything that we do emanates from our hearts. So if our hearts are out of whack, everything we do is also gonna be tainted and out of whack. And, and God continually throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament speaks to us of when our hearts are far from him, even when our lips are speaking the right words, and maybe our actions, our outward appearances are going through the right motions, but our hearts are far from him. And I got to say as someone who, I am a doer, uh, and I know my own heart, and I know my own inclinations, I know that we can get so focused on the hard work of serving and persevering through tough times and and even being diligent about the main and plain of Scripture and good theology, which is something that we value and want to hold on to, that we can lose sight of God's love. And we can lose sight of all the really, really vitally important things that begin and end with God's love. And what do we end up with? We end up with hearts that grow distant we wake up one day and all of a sudden we realize that our hearts have become, become hardened and they're, they're, no, they're no longer sensitive to the Holy Spirit and, and the, the compassion of God no longer are reflected, it's no longer reflected through our hearts. A lot of you have gone through the Alpha course here at Vineyard Church. We're going to be doing Alpha again in January. Uh, If you may remember, part of the Alpha course is uh, uh, a testimony from a British missionary to Hong Kong named Jackie Pullinger. She has spent her entire life ministering to prostitutes and drug addicts in the Wall City ghetto of of Hong Kong. And she says this. She says uh, that God wants us to have soft hearts and hard feet. The trouble with so many, she says, to so many of us is that we have hard hearts and soft feet, Soft feet that we're not willing to, to go the, the rough miles, to, to go and take the heart of God, that our hearts get hardened and all of a sudden every little thing is an inconvenience. Every little thing is, well, I don't have time for that or that hurts too much. And we lose sight of the, the love, the first love As I was meditating on this this morning, I just felt like I kept saying, I kept thinking, okay, it's first love. We have to get our priorities right in everything that we're doing. First love in your marriage, in your parenting, in the way you relate to your neighbor, in how you do your work, and, and what we do as a body of Christ, as the church, first love And this is very much in keeping with Jesus' words in Matthew to seek first the kingdom of God. Because again, the kingdom of God is a kingdom of love because God is love. And so let us be people who are making sure that we are asking ourselves, Lord, show me how to love. Show me how to love. I did an exercise earlier this year that I found very helpful. It was was one of those exercises that was like trying to really define some of your core beliefs, And what I came up with in that exercise was, okay, it's really important to me to endeavor to do the right thing. That's really important, to do the right thing. And as I was praying and as I was working through this, it's like, okay, that's good. Do the right thing. It is never wrong to do the right thing. It is never right to do the wrong thing. Do the right thing. But don't stop there. I sense the Holy Spirit telling me, don't stop there. Always endeavor to do the right thing I sense the Lord giving me with as much kindness as you possibly can do the right thing with as much kindness as you possibly can. And even this week, I've been reflecting on that and adding to that. And my takeaway is, yeah, do the right thing with as much kindness as you possibly can and always with love. Always with love, asking the Holy Spirit, what does, what does your love look like in this situation? And that just renews our absolute dependence on, on God, show me what love looks like right here. We got a lot of situations. I'm encountering a lot of things in my life. You probably are too. We live in the same world where showing love is getting harder and harder and more complicated in, in, in some situations. And I need Holy Spirit. I need you to show me and lead me and guide you, guide me. I need the Holy Spirit to show us as a church what love looks like in our in our very divided world, our very divided even community, and even the divisions that would seek to penetrate our church family. Well, guys, we got to love each other. We have all kinds of thought processes and philosophies uh, and and cultural ideas, even in our congregation. Uh, it's probably a lot more diverse than you realize. It, it, we tend to think everybody thinks like me and everybody looks at everything like me. And i got to tell you, you are kidding yourself. Yeah, you are. We are. When we, 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 we buy that line of, uh, you know, everybody thinks like I think. No, and that's not important for that to happen. We are here centered in Jesus Christ. Jesus be the center is more than a song for us. It is more than a song for us. We are, he's our center point. We're coming from a lot of different directions with a lot of different ideologies, a lot of different cultural influences. Uh, I mean, families of origin are very different. And it's about realizing that we are coming together under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And he is the one who calls us together. And so uh, it's about letting our hearts be fully aligned with the heart of God, that we would be reflections of his compassion toward humanity. And I'm so thankful for the promise that God spoke through the prophet Ezekiel that I will remove from you your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. We need a heart of flesh and let us be people that discern the work of the culture, the work of the world around us, the influence of the kingdom of darkness that would seek to harden our hearts toward people that are not like us, people that think differently toward us, there is a very seductive thing that can happen where we just shellack our hearts, call it cancel culture, call it whatever you want to, but that is not the kingdom of God. That is not the kingdom of God, and that is not what God has called us to as his people. So how do we say yes to this offer from God, How do we say yes? I believe that it is about uh, turning from neglect to turning to nurture. And that's in our relationship with him. The word here is repent. It was the word that John the Baptist used in, 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 in being the forerunner of Jesus Christ. And it is one the Apostle John uh, calls us to as, as he reflects the words of Jesus, repent, turn your direction. Turn from where you were going. Turn from neglecting the love for God and for the things of his kingdom and for the world around us. And and turn to nurturing that love. Nurturing that love. How can we do that? How can we do that? Uh, What's happening here is that, you know, he's, John is, is writing the words of Jesus. And in verse four, Jesus says, to the church at Ephesus, I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. That is a tough word. You've forsaken it, you have abandoned it, you have fully neglected it. Wow, how does that happen? I know in my own life, it happens in so many little subtle ways. It's unresolved anger. It is letting divisions uh, happen between friendship, maybe in your own family, in in your own marriage, with your own children. It's, It's about just letting your heart grow cold regarding your relationship with God, taking things for granted, not recognizing and appreciating the things that, that cause us to fall in love with Jesus to begin with. One of the things I love about Revelation, and I shared this last week, throughout Revelation, we get this amazing picture uh, of God's awesomeness, of, of Jesus, the, the, as we sang this morning, the lion and the lamb, and, 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 and just the power, his radiance is his, his, his awe-inspiring. It's overwhelming. It's, it's almost fear-inducing. Except we see him in his greatness and his grandeur and he puts his hands on our shoulders and says, hey, don't 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 fear anything. I'm on your side. I'm on your side. I'm with you. I love you. I'm for you. I'm your defender. I'm your victor. And it's like, yeah, our God is awesome. He is great. He is powerful. He is mighty. And that is the beautiful thing about the grace of God. You know, God is a God of grace, but he's also a holy God. And his love and his grace do not in any way compromise one or the other. They are not mutually exclusive. And that's the wonder and the amazement about our God and his love for us. This whole thing to, to repent, to turn around, uh, and, and to move in a direction that, that nurtures our love for God and our love for the things of his kingdom and the people of his kingdom and the people who are not yet part of his kingdom. That is what we're called to. And, 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 and love and come back to your first love and do as you did at first. This is the word agape, the agape love that was unique to the church. It was that, that love, again, that is not self-serving, but is completely others-oriented. It's a, it begins in a, as an experience of our hearts. It has to start there, but then it is to be expressed And all that we do and how we relate to one another, how we relate to our our wives and our husbands, our children, to our families, to our church family, and to the world around us is all of that. I really know and I've seen that COVID has given us an opportunity to either expand the way we love or to restrict or contract the way we love. And I just want to challenge you as our church family, as your pastor here at Vineyard Church. God just wants to let his love flow through us in, in, in incredible ways. I, I, I am not the least bit surprised. That in the fall of 2019, our, our leadership team came together, we're praying, and we're asking God, give us insight, give us leadership and guidance as to what you want us to do in the upcoming year. And two main things that we heard God say, uh, want you as a church to become even more generous. And then also just that, that thing of rebuilding our staff. Those were two main takeaways from that time together. And that was after you know weeks of praying and, and just each of us individually seeking the Lord and so we, we started our generosity fund last year. And, and who would have known it, you know, that we would have, have been giving 5% over uh, just off the top of our tithes and offerings every month. And, and we were able to bless our community in so many cool ways last year. And we're doing that again this year. And, and then also to rebuild our staff when, you know, so many churches were actually laying people off and, and doing all kinds. It's like, God, we just want to be obedient to you. You are leading us. You're guiding us. You love us. You're for us. and We're going to trust you. And he's just calling us to continue to trust him, to give God our whole hearts, to, to give him our hearts, to give him uh, our hearts, because only he can be trusted with our hearts. Only he can be trusted with our hearts. No one else, nothing else can, can handle our hearts. Otherwise, our hearts become calloused. They shrink up. They become lifeless. I think that that may have been something that happened to a group that's mentioned here. It's also mentioned in one of the other letters, the Nicolaitans. Um, We don't know a whole lot about them. There's not a whole lot that biblical historians know about them, but it's pretty obvious that their hearts were likely disconnected from God's love, and they started amassing all kinds of teachings that, that pointed away from Jesus. So we do want to avoid anything that, that even smells like that. In all things, whether we are dealing with orthodoxy, right theology, or orthopraxy, how we live out this right theology, it all has to be rooted in God's love. we got to be people that are committed to that. How can I love? How does your love look in this situation, Jesus, whether it's with a a problem at your office, at school, whether it is with a difficulty with a family member or neighbor? Jesus, what does your love look like here? Show me and give me the courage to love that way. And I am thankful that in all of these letters, there is a wonderful blessing and promise, uh, a, a wonderful present. It's our birthday, and here's a present for us. Jesus invites us to live in his victory, the victory that he accomplished on the cross. And with that victory comes amazing blessing that are not just for the world to come, but blessings that we get to experience in the here and the now. Jesus offers this to the church at Ephesus, to the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Now, all these letters have a lot of similarities, but each one is unique. And in, in ancient Ephesus, there was a temple of Artemis, and it was one of the wonders of the world. And the temple had within it uh, a wonderful garden focused on a particular tree, which was not just a religious shrine, but it also acted as a point of asylum for their political system. Criminals who came from all over would be free from capture and punishment if they got to that tree. Now, that was, that was Ephesus. It's not an accident that in this letter, Jesus speaking to these people in their culture, in this particular context, says to them, I've got a paradise, I've got a garden, and it is so much better, and it is a tree of life, but it's not a refuge for those who are not repentant. It's not a refuge, but for those who confess their sins, who are repenting and are turning direction. It is a place where in Christ, in Christ, and what he accomplished on the cross, what he accomplished in his life, his death, his resurrection, we can be people of victory. In all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us and ultimately showed it through his life and his death and his resurrection. And so we are called to love like this, to love like this, be willing to give ourselves to God daily, to take up our cross, to follow him, to to have soft hearts, but hard feet that take us to some uncomfortable places, maybe even force us into some uncomfortable conversations. So this morning, I believe that God is calling us as a church to Turn from neglecting that first love, and to turn to specific ways for each of us to nurture that love. What does it look like for you to nurture that love in your own private life? Is it about recognizing, you know, what I just, I just don't take the time. Maybe for you, it's it's saying, okay, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give the first. 30 minutes of my day, first 15 minutes, first whatever, to just spending time with you, God, before everything else crowds and rushes in. Time in His Word, time listening for His voice, time worshiping Him. Don't ever forget the very simplest definition of worship. We are a people created to worship our God, to be in worship relationship with Him. Worship is simply this. It is first and foremost receiving the love of God. And I need to be doing that every day, and so do you. Yesterday's manna does not satisfy. I need, God, I need a fresh experience of your love today. Uh, so making sure that you are giving yourself time and space to experience the love of God, to experience his love. But that's just the first part of worship. That's where it begins. That's the wellspring of worship. And then the responsibility is to express that love that you've received from God, express it back to him. And we do that with our worship. We do that with our prayer. We do that with our, ultimately with our obedience, the obedience of our lives that, that will follow where the Holy Spirit is leading us to go and to do the things that he's calling us to do. And so it's loving. It's loving well. It's loving God. It's loving those around us. And I, I, you know, the, the big story with Ephesus is Um, they apparently responded with yes to going back to their first love. Because if you look at church history, you see uh, that they are held up as a great example of Christian faith, Uh, even through like the fifth century. We see in church history where great church councils were held in Ephesus. But if you were to go there today, you would find nothing of a church. So it's just that reminder that for us to be the bright burning lampstand that we are created to be the light of the world for the central Savannah River area, for this region, for Augusta, for wherever God's calling us, it is incumbent upon us that we be people who are so connected with our first love, that we truly first love, that we love our God, that we love each other, and that we love the people that he's called us to live around every day. And all the division and all of the hatred and the fear that God calls us to be people who love. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's stand together.